Goalkeeping heroics keep Avondale top. Bentley slapped the Knights with a high five. The Thunder and Magic play out some late drama. And Bran gets to be officially sad about Fulham. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Match Week 11 episode of The Semi-Pro Body. And I do this every week. Is it match week 11? I feel like it's 12. It definitely is 12. Oh, great. See, I knew it was wrong. Excellent. Um, so it's not the well, match no. week 11 episode, everyone. It's match week 12. Well done, us. Um, how are you this week, Matt? You well? I'm doing very well, mate. I'm, I'm very excited to be here because we have a huge and massive and fun and entertaining show ahead of us because we're going to spend the whole time talking about Victorian football and what a weekend of Victorian football it was, mate. It was one of the better rounds I think we've ever been able to cover. Um, It had equal amounts of quality that you start to question whether or not this is a semi-professional league mixed with quality where you're like, definitely a semi-professional league. So before we jump into the games, Bran, let's go through the kit bag segment, your favourite segment, my currently orphaned segment that I don't really care about. But I'm very excited about the kit you're wearing this week, Bran, for two reasons. It's a very good kit and it's a very good cause, so talk us through it. Yes, mate. On the weekend at the Avondale South Melbourne game, Avondale did a special charity day. They partnered with Breast Cancer Network Australia uh, to raise funds and awareness for them. Uh, as you said, a very, very worth while cause there great initiative from from avondale was great to see an mpl team really sort of uh step up and get that done uh they're not the first but uh it's always good to see uh as part of the big event they did wear a very special pink kit and mate that is exactly what i am wearing for the kit bag segment this week uh not many pink kits in the mpl victoria i think the bentley goalkeeping kit is pink but there needs to be more of it and it's pretty darn good it's got the uh Breast Cancer Network Australia, nice and big on the front as well. It's just a great colour. I've also got the uh, the matching beanie for Pink Sports Day from Breast Cancer Network Australia on as well. So pink theme, pink day, pink kit bag segment. That's what I've gone for, mate. It's a cool kit, cool beanie, and as you said, great cause. Um, and it's just so good to the point where I'm not even contested this week. Um I can't even think of a kit that I have in close range at the moment, uh, which is sad. It's really diamond on my <laughs> life in this day and age. But, Brand, do you know what didn't make me sad this weekend? What did not make you sad, mate? I'm going to preface the Avondale-South Melbourne game with just setting of the scene, which was Ooh. a classically wintry Melbourne day of cold, overcast, sunny at times, raining at times, every type of weather that you want. Big fixture, big turnout, a little bit of a special event on with Avondale. Two teams that look like they're definitely going to be at the pointy end of this season, and it just felt good. I got there nice and early, and it felt like a very good fixture. Um, obviously, it was a great day, as you mentioned, with the Jersey kit bag segment. Um, Breast Cancer Network Australia had a fundraising day there. Um, a little bit of famous faces there early on, earlier on, I believe, with uh, John Aloisi and Simon Hill. 
being involved in some of the early, I think the women's team had a fixture and then there was a luncheon on afterwards. So always very good to see. I think those are the sorts of things that maybe bridge the gap between professional and semi-professional football. It's clubs putting on events like that. Um, From all reports, it was very well done. Congratulations, everyone at Avondale for that one. Um, But turning our attention to the game, South still without Harry Sawyer. That injury sounds like it's going to be a long and problematic one to a recover from and no timeline I can imagine being given for that one. Uh, And Liam Poland starting on the bench for Avondale. Tactically, I thought maybe there was a little bit of a niggle there, but no, no injuries. He was just on the pine for tactics. Um, And the stage was set for an absolute barn burner of top of the table clash. Um, As much as the game started with an excellent pace, it was really just a solid battle in the midfield. Um, There was not a lot of time, not a lot of space. Um, Not a lot of chances were created, but I'd say South probably had the best chance of the first half in the fifth minute. There was a shot from close range that forced a very smart save from Rory Bryan. Um, And the game, man, it had spice to it. There was a lot of players getting narky with each other, lots of close challenges, lots of sort of fire in the belly and a lack of head in the freezer. Um, But it was a very entertaining first half, but probably not goals to show for it. The second half, however, Stefan Zinni would win a penalty for Valentini to step up to the spot and give Avondale a 1-0 lead. I think it was in about the 56th minute. And the game did carry on from much of the the first half. Um, Five minutes later, though, an insanely clumsy challenge gave South a chance to pretty much equalise within five minutes. Uh, Salida steps up to the spot and an absolutely humongous save from Rory Bryan. One of the best saves I've seen in a long time, regardless of league or division. To get to it's good enough, to get a strong enough hand to tip it over the bar is just incredible. Um, And look, that keeps the lead 1-0 to Avondale. Five minutes after that, Valentini would step up to the uh, smashed home shot. Smashed a shot at the crossbar, sorry. That bounced out for Yusuf Ahmed to score from header, I think, back across the goal. And importantly, he ran across the goal, celebrated with the U crew, which we love to see. 2-0 Avondale, very, very, very impressive performance from them. Um, Avondale, apparently, you wrote this one in here. That's shocking to me. Avondale have now beaten South nine times in a row, which is yeah. a lot. Yeah, I am. I was slightly hesitant to include that stat after you know my uh, kangaroo island barley stat last week. I have gone and had a look. I'm ninety five percent sure that's accurate. That that Avonella beat South nine times in a row, uh, which is crazy. But uh, mate, what a crazy, crazy game! That penalty save, as you mentioned, from Rory Bryan, um, it wouldn't. I mean, undersell it to say that it changed the game. Of course, kept. Avondale in the lead, and as you said, moments later, they went on to add a second. But uh, great call by uh, Josh Paris as well on Twitter. Likened it to the Mark Schwartz uh, save in the uh, penalty shootout that sent us to the World Cup. Uh, Avondale had a great photo as well of Rory Bryan making the save, save, and then Josh Paris posted a photo of the Mark Schwartz save, and they're almost mirror images. It's uh, pretty darn good, mate. Yeah, and like I said, the, the the measure for mine that makes it an insanely good save is the fact that you've got to get to it first, but you've got to get a really strong hand to it. 
Okay, even if you get to it and you don't have a really strong hand, it'll probably go in. But yeah, no, it was uh, an absolute ripper save. And to be fair as well, I didn't think it was a bad penalty from Salados. Like he hit no. it. Yeah. And speaking of penalties as well, there was another contentious moment in the first half where uh, I think it was Matthew Reed made a challenge that looked to be inside the box. Oh, sorry, was inside the box, looked to be a foul. South had a big shout for a penalty. The referee waved it away. You and I, when we were there initially... Oh, yeah, we, that was a pen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when we when we were... Yeah, um, now you know what I'm talking about. When we were there, because we were both at the game watching live, we initially thought it was a foul. I thought the reason why it was not a penalty was because it was outside the box. But when we watched the replay, clearly inside the box. And I don't know, it looked like Reed got a lot of the player. Uh, Chris Gleason, though, did post one comment on Twitter with a replay saying you can see the ball change direction. So a little bit unlucky, South, not to get that one. Unlucky yeah, not to have I... Salados's shot, you know, go in from the penalty spot as well. Another good save. It's a weird one for mine because I feel like we get to the point where we now just expect penalties to be given. The last decade of where professional football has gone, I kind of like the concept of if, you, if you're if you in, if you just even like an element of doubt, don't give it. Um, but yeah, I watched that and I thought it was a clear pen, but I also kind of yell penalty for like lots of different things or like handball when the goalkeeper picks it up. So I don't think I'm the greatest litmus test of the rules being adhered to. Um, just a quick one to cap off this one. Uh, that win puts them a few points clear on top of the table, 25 points from 12 games now, which said Avondale have definitely not hit their stride yet, but they're top of the table, 25 points from 12 games. is very good. And I just think... Avondale are looking very good this season, despite probably not the best performances, but they're getting points for it. Definitely, mate. And for South, though, it's their second loss in a row. Uh, They lost to the Knights the week before. Are you concerned about South at all? No, I'm really enjoying... I think this is the first year that I've covered NPL Victoria where South have felt competitive, and they are competitive. I just think, honestly, unlucky with Harry Sawyer getting injured. Um, they've got a lot of talent in that squad. Um, we always said that the biggest problem for them was probably not supply, but in getting the ball in the back of the net. So looked like they solved that problem with Sawyer. Now they've kind of got to solve it again. But not concerned for South. I think, I think they've got a lot going for them this season, and they'll definitely be competitive in finals. I agree. I think they've just you know, faced two good teams. They've had their chances in both games. They've had elements of, of bad luck. They had elements of good luck in their hot start. So maybe it's just sort of balancing out, but I still think overall they are certainly trending in the right direction, mate. Totally nice. agree. Um, Bran, you had a look at one of the more intriguing fixtures from the weekend where I just did not expect this to come out of this weekend's fixtures. Bentley, five. Knights, one. What the hell? Yeah, wow. Uh, I totally agree. I wasn't anticipating this one. Uh, the Knights coming off, you know, that big win over South Melbourne. Bentley, though, have been the informed team of the competition heading into this one. I thought it was going to be a really tight encounter. I thought there was going to be a lot of goals in this one, but I did think they were going to be more evenly distributed than a five to one team, one to the other. Mate, Bentley, they just blew the Knights out of the water in this one. Mitchell Hoare... Gave Bentley the lead. His shot from range bounced past the Knights keeper. Manos gave them the lead in the first half. 
Jake Webster doubled Bentley's lead in the 38th minute, heading home from a corner. At that stage, you know, conceding a goal in the 38th minute, halftime just around the corner would have been frustrating for the Knights and for Knights fans. But unfortunately for them, things got even worse just before the halftime whistle. A great individual goal from Pierce Waring made it three in the 45th minute. He made a great run into the box from the out, uh, sorry, from out wide before rifling his shot home at the near post. Mighty impressive first half from Bentley there. 3-0 up at the break. The Knights, they really struggled. They had no shots on target in the first half. They had just one shot overall. That one came from uh, Dock. Uh, an effort that looked like it might dip below the crossbar, but really the Knights very much toothless going forward in the first half. Um, (laughs) Sorry, mate. I thought I was about to uh, have a moment there, but we are all good. I will persevere. Um, Their struggles in front of goals sort of continued in the second half. They only managed two shots on target in the second half as well. One of those was a goal. Gian Albano did give the Knights a glimmer of hope. Uh, a through ball from a quick break had him in one-on-one, and he was able to nicely lift his shot over the keeper. That made it 3-1. Hopes of a comeback, though, did not last long. Then, uh, sorry, Bentley re-established their dominance. Ten minutes later, Damian Iacona scored a galazzo for Bentley's fourth. It was a lovely first-time strike. From the outside edge of the box, beautifully chipped Manos and nestled into the top corner. One of those classics, was it a shot? Was it a cross? Hard to tell. Either way, it went in the net. That's all that matters. Mitchell Hoare netted Bentley's fifth and final goal late on two, slotting home a beautiful cross for his second goal of the night. Ended 5-1. It really was extremely, extremely impressive from Bentley. They were the best team all night by far. They looked better from the get-go, in my opinion, as well. For the Knights, they just could never really get a foothold in this one, mate. They just sort of seemed totally outmatched on the night. Tough night for them. Similar to South, I'm not too concerned. Again, I thought Dor Jock looked exciting again, but on the night, the Knights just got beat. I think it's as, as simple as that. Coming back to Bentley, though, mate, they are flying. Five consecutive league wins now, six consecutive wins if you include the FFA Cup as well. The win sees them jump into outright second place as well, which is remarkable. There was a stat during the broadcast that Teo Palazzeri busted out. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries, and as a result, they've said, uh, sorry, Teo said that Bentley have used 29 players so far this season in 12 games. And that is a lot. 21 players making appearances or at least being on the team sheet. Couldn't quite clarify. Well, obviously, he's doing the broadcast. I couldn't just ask him, you know, from home. But anyway, uh, that's a crazy stat. But they've obviously been riddled with injuries, starting to get back to full health now. And they look mighty, mighty dangerous. Bit of a slow start, but they seem to be cooking with gas, mate. They have to be the informed team in the competition at the moment, right, mate? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those ones where even, look, we said about Avondale, they've been dropping points at times. They've never really gone on a mazy run. Clubs like Oakley that we probably expected to be higher at the start of the season have failed to sort of get consistent performances in. Everyone has kind of failed to get consistent performances in, apart from... um, 
Bentley in the last five games. It's just catapulted them up the table. They're in second. I think I had a look at the table and it's just undefeated green ticks for wins and everything in a in five and it just they're looking really good already. And the thing with Bentley is, I mean, they could not be doing well now and still do damage in the finals. So if they're doing well now and they carry that into finals, then uh, this is wild for them. I think they've, uh, if they stabilize some of those injuries, who knows what they can achieve this year. Yeah, definitely. They've been on fire, mate. A team, though, who we're going to talk about next. They have been, what's the opposite of on fire? Um, uh, off fire not... in, in, in an oxygen-deprived chamber where fire yeah. is impossible. Uh, we're yeah. talking about we're talking about Dandy City, winless Dandy City. They were taking on the Eastern Lions. Big, big clash for Dandy City here, uh, mate. What happened? You had eyeballs on this one. Tell me all about it, mate. Dandenong City have been like a campfire in a vacuum for a long time. They have Ooh. failed to start. They have, you know, you look at it and you're like, that's a really well built fire at times. Actually, we probably haven't been saying that about Dandy City. There's there's no <laughs> masking the fact they have been quite poor this season. Yeah, But in the last few weeks, I have been saying it. it has been coming. They've had performances against good teams where they've been beaten. They deserve to be beaten, but their performance didn't show that of a bottom of the table, getting beaten every week kind of team. So they, they had a bit of fight, which was good. And to be honest with you, this game, it definitely lacked quality. This did look like Dan and City, bottom of the table versus Eastern Lions dropping down the table. Um it was end-to-end, which normally means entertaining, but there was just a lack of quality in terms of final finishing, balls into the area. It was a lot of sort of just brutalist football of running into penalty areas with, you know, hit it somewhere and something might happen or ricochet off three things and here we go. But um, Dandy City ended up scoring the only goal in this match in the 40th minute. Uh, it's from a free kick, which just bounced awkwardly in front of the Lions goalkeeper. Probably should have been kept out, um, but found the back of the net. That would be enough for them to get through this game. Um, there were second-half chances for both teams, but, no, again, just lacking quality in the final third. It was awkward. It was scrappy at times, but I think Dandenong City, not their best performance of the last few weeks, but, importantly, it's their first win of the season. Three valuable points. That gives... Uh, given Altona's inabilities, that means that Dandy City are off the bottom of the ladder for the first time this season, I believe. I'm pretty sure they were bottom at the end of the first round or someone who got beaten I, by more may have been. I think they got off the bottom once because they had scored one more goal than Altona Correct. Magic at one stage. Correct. I remember us making a very big song and dance about that as well. <laughs> um, that's their first win under Sasha Ognanovsky as well. Mm. And... My favourite stat, Branson, is that's three points from their last three games because they lost their two previous games. So they got zero nice. points from the last two uh, before <laughs> this one. So three points from three games, great statistic. But they are still in the relegation zone. They're not out of the woods yet, but for mine, it is building in the right direction. Some good performances, finally a win, get that monkey off the back, and then let's see where they can build. Because if you look at the teams around them, there's a lot of mediocrity starting to settle at the bottom of that table, and if they can lift their way out of it, it'd be a very interesting second half of the season for them. Yeah, definitely, and they needed to get that first win under their belt, and it now sees them within a win of moving out of the relegation zone. So hopefully that is a big confidence builder 
for them, and we could see a little bit of a Danny City rejuvenation, mate. Would love it. Um, mostly because we are an MPL podcast, and if they drop down a division, it means I can't really justify going to get roast pork rolls, which is sad. Or we have to start an NPL 2. What is the second division called? I know I should know this, but... NPL 2. Yeah, cool. I just wasn't sure if they did, like, NPL 1 and 2. and Anyway. Brad, move on. Hume City. Talk us about Hume City, Heidelberg. I was very excited for this one because this was a very intriguing matchup for me. Uh, Heidelberg looking to keep up in the, the race at the top. Hume who have been a bit underwhelming, looking to keep in touch with the top six as well. For all the intrigue that I saw in this one, though, not exactly the most exciting exciting even of first halves. There was, however, a goal. Uh, mate, we saw last week Hume get caught out twice against Avondale by long balls over the top that bounced over the defence to put a player through with the keeper one-on-one. This week it happened again, but Hume were on the right end of it. They benefited from that exact play. A long ball from Hume goalkeeper Michael Weir bounced over the top. Josh Bingham was able to outmuscle Heidelberg's Milan Roberts and was through on goal. Cooley slotting his effort home. Hume up 1-0 at the break. Uh, the Burgers though, mate, they stepped up their attack in the second half. They created far more chances. Ninkovic had a trio a trio, not one, not two, but three great opportunities. That's what trio means. Um, one well, you were about to say not one, not two, but three-o, and I was like, oh, God, no, oh, Jesus. Would have been missed good. A, missed opportunity. But uh, anyway, uh, one of his so one of his three, the first one was a shot that went just wide. Another shot ahead of this time crashed into the post, and then his third effort on goal was cleared off the goal line trio of uh, disappointment there for Ninkovic. Owen Ashton had a chance to go just wide. Right at the depth too, was just inches wide of the back post and at the same time, inches away from a tap-in for Anthony Theodoropoulos, who was making a run at the back post. In the end, though, mate, Hume City, they hold on for the win. Uh, good resilience from them. Heidelberg really up the pressure in the second half. They were really banging on the door and Hume just said, no, nah, we are not letting you in. Big three points too. They are now... Just, uh, sorry, just a win outside the top six. Heidelberg, though, unlucky in this one. Frustrating way to concede a goal. Uh, Again, from a long goal kick that just bounces over everyone. Uh, They had a bunch of great chances to equalize in the second half, too. Three of them coming from Ninkovic. Tough result. They miss out on going joint top again. Uh, two weeks in a row, they've had a frustrating result after their draw against St. Albans. Still, though, it was only their second loss of the season, and it was their first loss since round one. Mate, question for you, though. Humor just outside of the top six. Do you think they're a good chance of jumping in? I was it's tough. Look, it's, it's tough. I, yeah, like I initially said yes. And I think the answer is yes, but it's not a straightforward yes. Like it's... It's got a bit of nuance to it. Oh, man. Yes. We're, think- we're, still, we're still waiting for a lot of the dust to settle with player transfers, but they have lost Josh Brown. He's gone to Nutter Wadding. Uh, mm. uh, James Brown, sorry, not Josh Brown. James Brown. Mm, I wasn't going to correct you there, so thank you for doing that. Um, I'm not concerned about Hume. There are clubs that I am concerned about, and it's not Hume. 
I think also the thing with Hume is that they can sometimes play out of their skin a bit. Like they can really push it and they're kind of that fire gives them an extra 10% in the big game. So I'm not too concerned about Hume at all, no. I'll be honest, I thought they'd be a lot higher on the table than this. You know, we saw in 2020 they won all five of their games, left a little bit to be desired. This, though, I mean, it could be the result that sort of um, sparks their season, mate. We'll have to see if they can build on it. Consistency for Hume has been the biggest struggle all year. Yeah, and look, it was a great performance and game for them, but we kind of have flagged that this round has got a lot of good fixtures in it. And the Dandenong Thunder Altona Magic game, although on paper it might sound a bit boring, very important in terms of the narratives of the table. And this game was just bonkers. It was classic NPL football. I loved it. Bran, talk us through it. Oh, absolutely crazy game. Winless Altona still looking for their first win in this one. Dandy Thunder at the same time looking to end a three-game losing streak. The Thunder, mate, they did it. They won 3-1 in dramatic, dramatic fashion. Uh, looking to end that, that winless streak, as I said, but they were on the back foot immediately. Keegan Sheridan was shown a straight red card just three minutes into the game uh, for a dangerous sliding challenge coming in from the back. Unfortunately, from the broadcast, you don't get a good look because there's a player in the way. Doesn't look great, but he's given his marching orders less than 180 seconds into the game. So already Dandenong Thunder are uh, behind the eight ball here. But I'll tell you what, it's mate. It's such a long time to play with 10 players. <laughs> it is. It's it's huge. You've got 87 minutes uh, at least left in the game. But anyway, down a player though, mate, it did not matter. Liron Azizi gave the Thunder the lead. He tapped, the, sorry, tapped home the rebound after Hamish Watson's initial free kick was saved. Um, a few more things happened in the game after that. Both teams had chances, but I want to jump straight into, or sorry, jump ahead straight to the last five minutes because that is where all the main action happened, mate. Just in case we needed any more evidence, any more reasons why we, you know, to suggest that the NPL Victoria is genuinely the best league going around. Mate, look no further. We got more evidence of that right here. We saw three goals in stoppage time, trailing 1-0. Troy Ruthven brought Altona level in the 91st minute when his long-range strike found the bottom corner. At that moment, you're thinking, wow, Altona have equalized at the depth. They're going to hang on for a point here. But, mate, no, less than 90 seconds later, Ali Suleimani restored the Thunders lead. He bundled the ball over the line and then... Mate, he netted his second goal, not only in the game, his second goal in stoppage time alone, two minutes later, sliding home after a quick break to clinch the win. Mate, what an ending. How, I mean, Altona, let's just talk about them really quick. Really unlucky, really, really unlucky. They had three times more shots on target than the Thunder and twice as many shots overall. Most of the uh, attacking opportunities went their way. And my question for you, mate, that just sort of emphasizes how unlucky Altona were, how many times do you does a team equalize in the 91st minute and then still go on to lose by two in regulation? I, I can't think. Like, you don't see it much because it's... At that point, if you're if you're equalizing in the 90th, it's because you've probably...
we had the momentum on Thunder to a shared point each to three points to Dandenong Thunder in the space of injury. Yeah, time. it's the kind of thing where you look at the score and you go, oh, yeah, Dandenong Thunder 3-1. Yeah, probably a result you expected. That was probably pretty straightforward. But it was anything but crazy game, crazy result, great to watch. Um, go watch the highlights. Just just watch them. It's it's very exciting, mate. Um, another game, though, that I want to talk about, St. Albans, the Saints taking on Oakley Cannons. Will, you had a look at this one. Tell me about it. I did have a look at this one, and I'm going to very much specify that I had a look at this one, and the look of this one confused the living shit out of me because St. Albans were playing in a blue kit and Oakley were playing in a white kit. And so when I was watching the highlights, I didn't see this one live. I was watching the highlights, and I was just like, huh, yeah, okay, cool, shit. St. Albans are playing really well here. St. Albans are great. Yeah, so shit, St. Albans really put... They're putting three past Oakley, and then I saw the line, and I'm like, oh, no, they're wearing different coloured jerseys, you idiot. Mm. So, Bloody with that in mind, I had to force myself to re-watch it. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Didn't mean to talk over the top of you. Bloody teams having different coloured jerseys. What a pain. Sorry. Oh, just kind of... Yeah, it shouldn't have thrown me as much as it did, but it did. Um, look, <laughs> upon a rewatch, a very commanding win for Oakley. Um, Thurtell opened the scoring in the 20th minute. Um, second half, goals for Knowles and Pachowski would seal three goals and three points for Oakley. St. Albans, on the other side of the fence, have not won in five games. Um, and Oakley, this is, I think, probably the first time this season that we've seen them win two in a row. So that starts to what we were saying before about Bentley, just getting win, 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 and every other team around them seeming to be inconsistent in form, getting a win and a draw and then another win and a loss and all of this nonsense. Um, Oakley are maybe starting to build the foundations for probably the season we more expected from them. They've definitely underperformed this season, but maybe this is the start. Two wins, maybe it turns into three and maybe they go on a bit of a run and they climb the table. But yes, a bit of form for Oakley coming in. Bram, what were your thoughts on this one? Good result for the Cannons. Uh, pretty much to be expected. Can I just say that I really like the line you threw there. Goals for Knowles. I think that's fantastic. I think that might have to become a uh, a regular tagline on the show, mate. That's a pretty good one by you. It just sounds like he's a bit sick, though. Like, I oh, hope he never gets does. sick, but it sounds oh, no. a bit like a fundraising hashtag. Oh, no. Um, I, I, I didn't consider put, it that way. Yeah, put your goals out for Knowles. Oh, not, no. Yeah, um, it's very sad. Very, very quickly on St. Albans, uh, not only have they not won a game in the last five, they've actually not won a game in their last ten, if you include the FFA Cup. If you actually go back and look at their fixtures, I think it's ten games without a win. How did I get that is, stat so wrong? Well, it's not wrong. It just I've just extrapolated it. I've just made it a little bit longer, mate. Your stat was Yeah, but if you're going to say they didn't win a game in five, you'd say ten. You'd say till their last victory. Oh, but that's all right. Anyway, um, we're danger bells for St. Albans. 10 games yeah. without a win, that is not good. Yeah, and that- we'll get to the ladder in a bit and we'll talk about what that looks like at the bottom of the table mm. for everyone because we are now starting to see some solidification of places where clubs are resting at the table and it's starting to see who should be panicking and who shouldn't be. Um, Bran, just going to say it every week on this podcast, Port Melbourne. What did they do this week? Was it good Port Melbourne? Was it indifferent Port Melbourne? Was it bad Port Melbourne? It was good Port Melbourne. Good Port Melbourne this week. They were 2-0 victors over Green Gully. 
Uh, two teams sort of sitting in the lower reaches of the table, looking to move close to the finals. Port Melbourne, though, they got the job done. Alex Salmon had Green Gully's best chance in the first half. A poor back pass that was meant to go to the goalkeeper went straight to him. He was in one-on-one with the keeper, but it was sort of like a Mexican standoff where he didn't move, the keeper didn't move, and then they just sort of stood there. And then in the end, Alex Salmon sort of tried to dribble him around him and just ended up never really getting his shot away. Uh, less than two minutes later, though, Green Gully were made to pay for not uh, capitalising on that opportunity. Jackson Courtney Perkins blasted his strike home to give the Sharks the lead in the first half. Uh, later on in the second half, Lathan Dunn gave Port Melbourne their second goal. Two-goal lead was more than enough for Port Melbourne. Gully had more shots in this one, but they didn't really look super dangerous in attack. They looked a bit lackluster, a little bit toothless whereas the Sharks were able to sink their teeth in to Green Gully. Uh, good win for them. Sees Port actually jump ahead of Green Gully on the table, which we'll get into in just a moment. On Green Gully, though, as well, they have just one win in their last six league games. So not mm. great. Not great from Green Gully. Port Melbourne, though, good result for them. Uh, we say it all the time. They're hot and cold. Uh, they've got two wins and a draw in their last three. So good patch of form. For the sharks, yeah. mate. Um, I also like some of the shark puns you put in there. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, look, we're pretty much. Huh, hang on, we're finished Ooh. with the review section. That's quite fun. That um, was well done. Yeah, so, oh, just came to me then. Um, Bran, before we get to the table, how do we go with tips this week? Well, I am looking that up as we speak because I didn't put it in the run sheet. I ah. am having a little look. Who did we tip? We tipped Green Gully, so we got that. Oh, no, those are wrong. I don't know. I'm not sure okay. how we tipped, mate. Give me a look, sec. I'll come back to me. Do the letter. I'll tell you later. Let's be honest. We probably did poorly. We don't need to validate it with numbers. We know that we did poorly. We probably could have done better. We probably got beaten by your mum at tipping. That's fine. Um, let's take a look at the table, though. As stated before, out on top, clear on 25 points is Avondale in first. On 23 points in second, Bentley Greens. Third, South Melbourne share points with Heidelberg. That's third and fourth taken up, both on 22 points. Uh, In fifth and sixth, we've got Oakley, Cannons and Knights on 21 points. In seventh, Hume on 18 points. In eighth, Port Melbourne on 16 points. And Green Gully are sitting in ninth on 15 points. We start to get to the lower part of the table. So in 10th, we've got Dan on Thunder on 14 points. They're probably sort of starting to look like they're sort of at the tail end of mid-table and not so much in the danger zone. But where we start to get to some problem areas. In 11th and 12th, we have Eastern Lions and St. Albans Saints, both on nine points. Dandenong City, that win for them takes them up off the bottom of the table, into 13th on seven points, and Altona Magic, with that defeat this week, on six points, they are in 14th at the bottom of the table. So as it stands, Dandy City, Altona Magic, get relegated. (sighs) St. Albans and Eastern Lions are mighty close, though. Mm. So that that bottom of the table, we're starting to see a gap between 11th and 10th of five points, which is obviously not insurmountable, but I think that three points for Dandy Thunder gives them a little bit of breathing space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the top of the table, we've got six teams that you could throw a hat over. Bit of a fight yeah. for mid-table and a bottom of a table now. Yeah, well, looking at the top six, uh, there's only a four-point gap between 
first and sixth. There is only a two-point gap between second and sixth. So it really is quite tight up there. We could see that change many times. Uh, I love how we go into a weekend and you look at the top six and you go, this could be totally different uh, on Sunday night to what it looked like on Friday night. So that's super exciting. Down the bottom as well. It's interesting looking at Altona. They've lost fewer games than the Lions, the Saints, and Dandenong City. They've lost the same number of games as well as the Thunder, but yet they're, they're, they're still on the bottom, and that's because mm. they have a big fat uh, goose egg in the wing column. But if, you know, I don't know, it'll be interesting. I've been very disappointed with, with Altona Magic, but... uh they still have time to turn it around. Uh, yeah. One, oh, oh, yeah. one quick one. One quick one on the table that shocked me is it felt like three weeks ago we were talking about Knights being first. Mm. They are now yes. down in sixth. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's wild. And it's not as though they've got bad form or anything. They've lost a no. game and they had a draw. Like, it's, yeah. it's just what? so tight at the top of the table that they could go from being first three weeks ago down to sixth. Yeah, and two weeks ago, South Melbourne had a gap on top, and now they're in third. Bentley weren't even in the top six that long ago, and now they're second. Oh, mate, it's super tense, super tight, super exciting. Uh, good news, uh, I've gone back and I've I found our tips where, mm, I thought I, where I thought I had them in the podcast. Uh, Ron Sheep was, was not our, our actual tips. Anyway, uh, we got three, uh, and you were correct. That mum did tip more than us. She got four. So... Uh, well done, Mum. Um, we're so shit. Yeah, we are. We're so shit. Man. We are. Um, three's not great. Oh, it's not bad. Well, it's less than 50%. Oh, yeah. Anyway, mate. Uh, yeah. we so, will- do you just want to run a podcast on your own on simple math- mathematics there, bro? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that would be great. Anyway, enough talking about our mediocre tipping. We still have plenty of Victorian football to talk about. We're now going to turn our eyes to... The NPLW Victoria, mate. We got one game to recap from match day five. We're up to match day six in the NPLW. But when well, we record, one thing the- I will preface oh, yeah. before we jump on this is this is probably the first time that we've been able to do the NPLW oh. with six, with all teams completed mm. the same number of games. So the table is actually quite representative of where these clubs are at. So I'm excited mm. for that. That's that's a good thing to, I think, understand with this because every time we sort of go through these games, we talk about the implications on the table that there's always a, a game in hand for someone because of a Monday night fixture. But tonight we can recap the table and look at it as six games played by every club and see where everyone's sitting. Yep, great call. Totally agree. So looking back to round five, we have just completed round six. Going back to round five, the Monday night game we didn't get to talk about last episode, Bulleen taking on Calder. Replay, sorry, pardon me, replay of the 2019 grand final. Bulleen had been mediocre to start the season, left a little bit to be desired. They got some big names back for this one, though, in Kayla Morrison and Leah Privatelli from the championship. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, championship winning W League. Melbourne victory. I've not worded that well. The du- the Mel... Yeah, don't know. Back from the Mel victory, won the W League Championship. Anyway, those two players made a big difference, really sort of uh, gave a different look to the Boleyn squad. Privatelli opened the scoring in the second half for Boleyn before Tiffany Eliardis netted two more to lift the Lions to victory. They ran out 3-0 winners. Big result from Boleyn. They played very, very well, I thought, 
They certainly deserved their lead, and they certainly deserved all three points. And a good result against Calder, good result from Boleyn, shows uh, that, you know, there's still plenty of positivity, that, you know, their slow start, similar to Bentley, might have just been getting, you know, the right players into the squad at the right time. Uh, Great result for them. And, yeah, mate, that rounds out match day five. But now... As you said at the start, we get to jump into a full match day six. The first game, Calder United taking on FV Emerging, the hot FV Emerging. They'd been on fire to start the season. Mate, what happened in this one? Yeah, um, this was a big one because obviously we know how good Calder are and FV Emerging have been outstanding this season. And this fixture for mine just looked like, well, okay, it's all fun and games to say, talk about these games in isolation. But when they go head-to-head, this is where we start to get a yardstick of where they're at. Um, and just going to be honest, it was a big commanding win by Calder. Um, we have been talking about how good FVR, are, but Calder are the benchmark, and they won 2-0. And it was a really impressive performance. A goal in the first minute to Alicia Eki, I believe it's pronounced. Probably going to get that wrong. Um, there was some very good goalkeeping, though, to keep it to 1-0. Um a very nice shot from distance. I can't remember who had it for FE Emerging, but a very good shot from distance. Just out of nowhere. Loved it. Uh, 54th minute, though. Called it. Doubled their advantage through Catherine Zimmerman. A nice headed goal. And as much as FE Emerging played some expansive and exciting and entertaining football, called to just do what they do best. I think they hit the upright as well. It could have been more for them. Um, they, as much as they look like they're going to be seriously challenged this year by FE emerging, to have this as a benchmark game and to come out a two nil, to come out two nil winners, very very impressive from Calder. So they take the spoils there. Um, I also had a quick look as well, Brand, at the Alamein um, to Box Hill one game, um, the not so mighty triangles. Mm. Um, I did have a quick look at this one because the broadcast of this one had one of our favorite things which was um there was a poll in the way for this one which we do love polls in the way of broadcast but this was a very unconventional one in the sense of the game was being shot not up in a tower or anything just on a camera tripod thing but the tripod was weirdly in front of the camera so i'm not sure if it meant that there was a tripod that the camera was on and then they were filming it and didn't remove the tripod from in front of the camera. But I thought that we've never seen that in terms of random polls in NPL fixtures. So that was impressive. Um, it, but it also looked it, like it was just filmed from ground level too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, that's fine. Like I get it. Funding is criminally, the the women's game in Australia is criminally underfunded. So it, it does check out at times, but um, yes, look, regardless of that, Box Hill United, um, two, but lost one, lost two, one to Alamein. Um, it's just not a good run for Box Hill, Alamein, two wins on the trot, looking good. Bran, you had a look at Cracker though, South Melbourne, Heidelberg, talk us through this. I did. It was another strong performance from South overall. They ran out four to Victors over Heidelberg in a big Greek derby. Lund is a you know bit of a potential danger game for South, uh, but they got they got the job done. Uh, a first half goal from Natalie Martinu was followed by two more from Melina Ayres gave South a pretty commanding three 0 lead. 
Full credit to Heidelberg, though. Down 3-0. They did not go into their shell at all. Penny Bacopoulos got one back for the Burgers just before the break in the second half as well. Daniela, sorry, Danielle Wise scored midway through the second half to trim the lead to just one. There were plenty. Of, this was a very exciting game, too. There was plenty of uh, chances, plenty of shots, plenty of uh, efforts on goal. Very, very exciting. 3-2 South's lead was. They were able to steady the ship, though. Sophia Sakala scored South's fourth nine minutes after Danielle Wise brought Heidelberg within one to extend the lead and clinch the three points for South Melbourne. Good result for them. Uh, but on the flip side, good performance from Heidelberg. So it's one of those games where you just walk away and you go, you know what, I'm pretty happy for all that. You know, good win for South. Good performance from Heidelberg. They didn't get blown out of the water. Uh, they were ultra competitive, I thought. They had a bunch of chances, showed good character to not just roll over when you were 3-0 down and not let this blow out to, you know, 5-6-7. So very impressive from Heidelberg. Slightly more impressive from South, to be fair, though. Mate, I also had a look at the last game in round six for this one. Bayside taking on Bulleen. Tight game. Very misleading scoreline in this one. I promise you it was... Closer than it would suggest. Berlin won 4-0. Uh, it was 0-0 at halftime, though. And let's not forget that Bayside are bottom of the table, yet to win a game. They've scored the fewest goals in the league as well. Uh, it was 0-0 at halftime. Berlin found it tough to uh, to break down Bayside. They were very resilient in defense. Eventually, though, Daniela uh, Gedelge, I've again butchered a pronunciation there, my apologies. Gedelge eventually gave Berlin the lead in the 64th minute. She went on to score her second in stoppage time from a crazy long-range cross shot from a tight angle. Absolute galazzo. Uh, Damien Iacona scored a similar one for Bentley, but uh, Gedelge's was even better, even more outrageous, perfectly uh Dink the keeper and nestled in under the crossbar. Laura Shannon scored Boleyn's third, also in stoppage time. And so, yeah, this one ended 3-0, not 4-0. I said 4-0 at the start. There were only three goals. My mistake. Um, Lara Shannon scored Boleyn's third, also in stoppage time. So, mate, on the surface, 3-0 win to Boleyn. You'd go, well, that's, you know, what you'd expect. But 0-0 at halftime. First goal didn't come to the 64th minute. Another two came in stoppage time. Not garbage time goals, but, you know, garbage time goals. So, uh, good result from Pauline. That's good. one of the worst pieces of commentary we've ever had, Branson. Not uh, garbage well, time goals, but still garbage time goals. Yeah, like, you know, they, they, they had a bit more meaning than that, you know. Like, not a consolation, but, you know, it sort of uh, flattered yeah, Pauline a little bit. Good performance from Bayside, though. They were resilient in defence. They hung on very, very well. Unfortunately, though, they still remain without a win. They have lost all six of their games. But, again, good three points for Berlin. They're starting to look a little bit dangerous. Absolutely. And like I said before, this gives us a really clear line of sight of the table. Now, we are very we are very early on in the season. I think there's, what, 20-odd rounds. I think 21 rounds is the women's competition. Um, so we're only six games in, but we've got to the point now where we're looking at the table – up on top is South Melbourne on 15 points clear. We always talk about Calder being the yardstick, but that loss last week has taken them off the top of the table. Um, Calder United are tied on 12 points with FV Emerging and Bulleen Lions. That is second, third, and fourth. In fifth, we have Alamein 
on 10. Sixth, Heidelberg United on seven points. And at the bottom of the table, Box Hill United with a solitary win on three points. And Bayside United, zero wins, zero draws, six losses on the bottom of the table. Brand, thoughts on the table, six rounds in. It's very intriguing. I love seeing FV emerging right up the top, uh, really slugging it out with some of the big teams. Did not anticipate that one heading into the season. And again, much like the men's competition, this is thrilling stuff. It's going to be fascinating to see who can go on to win it from here. You know, South Melbourne have looked extremely, extremely strong. Calder have been, you know, as you said, the benchmark, the yardstick for the competition in recent times. And Boleyn, you know, now that they've got some of those players back and they've, you know, got a couple more wins under the belt, they've won four in a row. That's the best form in the comp. They are now at the pointy end of the, yeah, sorry, the pointy end of the table as well. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. And there is a there is a difficulty with the women's league as well, where players do change a lot, and we just often don't hear of it. So the the table will change from here. Players will change clubs. It does happen all the time. Um, but for mine, the standout there is South Melbourne. I know it was a, a butchering that night, but they're top of the table. They've scored the most number of goals. They're clear on points. You know, where we sit here and we talk about Calder being the dominant team in the league, we've got another team there being dominant. It's, it's really impressive to see South Melbourne up there and long may it continue. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing with the uh, NPLW as well is uh, players returning from the W League. There's a lot of players who, who play in the W League then come back and play in the NPL. Uh, we spoke about the two players, Pivotelli, um, uh, for Berlin as well, who have returned. We saw Lisa Devanna sign for, who is it, RPL? Yeah, someone, yeah, over in, in New South Wales. Yeah, I think uh, that was just for a cup game or something. Oh, okay. I don't be. know. Uh, or Kayla maybe Mor- she played in the game. Anyway, go on. Kayla Morrison's the other one who's come back to Berlin, but we could still see South and Calder uh, add some big-name players to their squad as well, mate. But very much looking forward to uh, continuing to watch the NPLW, and I'm looking forward to the uh, next round of fixtures, mate. Hey, Brand, you know what I'm looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Bloody break. Oof. Do you want to take one? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Do, you, do we want to sign out for it in any way, or do we just say, hi, everyone, we're taking a break? We'll just say... We'll be back soon, guys. It's break time. Yeah, that's. I'm not going to be able to remember that. <laughs> we'll be back soon, guys. It's break time. And welcome back, everybody, to the second part of the semi-pro potty match day 12 episode. Got it right this time. Branson, we kick it off with that so semi-professional Talk us through your first semi-professional one because I love these. Mate, this is one of our favourite segments. You know, I enjoy it almost as much as I enjoy Kitbag. And one of the things that we enjoy about football in general is uh, cameos from animals on the field. And we saw this one on Twitter this week. This was great. There was a cat on the field in the MLS. Now, we saw this a few weeks ago in the A-League as well when, what was it, the Adelaide United game when there was a cat uh, running around on the sideline. But this cat in the MLS, this was a brave cat. This one was a little bit different because it was actually right in the middle of play. You've got two players dribbling and then the cat's just sprinting along probably, what, within a metre? Within two metres? Like, it's side by side with the action here. I'm, you know, the cat, it looked like I wanted to dive in, looked like I wanted to make a challenge, but uh, it ended up 
making a covering run back towards goal. Didn't dive in. Uh, smart. You know, we saw what happened in the Danny on Thunder game. Red card, you know, so smart move by the cat. But uh, I thought that was very semi-professional. Uh, always great to see. We do love animals yeah. in, in, in football, mate. What did you think? Yeah, oh, just an amazing run. Like, it really is. It starts from the point where the play is. Fucking good luck defending that cat. I thought, agile. like, footballers were fast. It was fast. It was agile. Showed great awareness to make that run. Like, that, you can't coach that sort of shit to pick a run at that angle. Now, probably, probably offside. Like, doesn't really give the attacking player a lot of opportunity when you're about 10 yards offside. But cat interrupting a game of football, all for it. More of it. Really big fan of that. Definitely, mate. You saw something semi-professional, or should I say heard something semi-professional. What was it? I don't like it. Oh, big call. And I'm going to say, put it in the bin. And as head of customer satisfaction of match day experiences, APAC region of Avondale, I feel like you've got control over this. Is that is Avondale? That <laughs> yeah, definitely. Avondale, when the players come out, play the Avenger theme song. Now, I hate Marvel movies. I hate superhero movies. I hate franchise films that offer nothing to the art of cinema, apart from the Bourne films, because they're great. So, um, so this, and, this is interesting, because yeah. I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago. I thought you would love it, being the movie enthusiast that you are. I thought you'd be all about that sort of... Uh, Link up there. Get something, get something and make it. It's too literal. Get something and make it your own. Like, cool, if you're going to call it Avenger Park, that's fine. But then don't pick, like, the Avengers theme. Like, I don't know, pick a good song. Like, right. Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. Or, like, I don't I know, it's Pinot, Pinot de Angio. It's an Italian club. Pick some Pinot de Angio, like, Italian disco. I don't care. Take Me Home Country Road would be a good song to sing after an away win. Perhaps. Would be. Maybe a not a walkout. A walk yeah. home song, perhaps. Or just pick like a bat, like, I don't know, just pick like a really long song. Pick like Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell or something. I don't know, like just <laughs> anything other than the really literal choice of Avengers theme song. Whatever, people love it. I get it. It's a franchise trying to be family friendly and kids love Marvel movies and whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Football's not for me that. anymore. I'm aware of it. William Jonas, not a fan. Mate, I saw a couple of things that were a bit semi professional. Uh, Last night in the, uh, what do you call it, A-League, Melbourne City taking on Wellington Phoenix. Uh, Melbourne City equalised and then, you know, as they do, they cut to different different players and coaches or whatever. After the equaliser went in, the camera cuts to Patrick Casnorba and he tore his ACL in a charity match, so he's on crutches. Um, and as, uh, sorry, as the camera goes to him, you can see him not celebrating. He gets really mad and he's got his crutches and he like slams them on the ground and he's yelling and pointing at his head. He's clearly yelling at someone. I imagine like a defender or something that he's not happy, but I just love the juxtaposition, you know, Melbourne City just equalize. And then you've got the coach on the sideline losing his nut, smashing his crutches. So I thought that was, uh, Intriguing and weird. And I, and yeah. yeah. Can, can I chime in with another that's so same professional is Patrick is Norby doing his ACL in a fucking charity match. Oh, so good. Yeah. What happened? So I didn't was, know about this. I thought we might have touched on it in the podcast. We might not have. He appeared in a South Melbourne charity game. It was like, I think it was like South Melbourne old boys against, I want to say like former Socceroos 
Legends. So he was in it, Big Sash was in it. And anyway, as part of participating in it, he ended up doing his ACL terrible. in the game. So he, so he actually missed, I want to say, two or three games for Melbourne City. He wasn't on the sideline. He wasn't coaching. Uh, so he's only recently returned to the sidelines uh, with crutches. But, mate, yeah, totally. That in itself is extremely semi-professional. Uh, another thing that I saw that was semi-professional as well, again, in the A-League last night, uh, the game ball was in a Macca's bag at kickoff at the Adelaide game. You know how the ball's on like a pedestal? Fuck, we uh, are sponsored by McDonald's, aren't we? Yeah, like the ball's on a pedestal and then the players will get in there. I will be honest, uh, I saw this on Twitter. So have we been stitched up by like a still grab where someone's photoshopped it? Uh, that is a possibility, but I saw enough of it to imply that it really did happen, which is uh, very... Interesting, but uh, if it didn't, and we have been stitched up by Twitter, that's very semi-professional by nature of us. So in one way or another, either on Adelaide United's head or on our head, a semi-professional thing happened with the ball being in a Macca's like Uber Eats delivery bag on the pedestal for kickoff, mate. But that's what I saw. That's what I thought was semi-professional, mate. Yeah, I'm going to say my last one because I think it straddles that so semi-professional and things that we like. But the Women's Champions League final was this morning and Barcelona won, I believe it was 2-0, and gave a big fuck you to Sam Kerr. And Mm. I just, I liked it because it was football shithousery and we always like football shithousery regardless of the victim. But uh, it's Sam Kerr, so I'm like, don't pick on our Aussie Sam. Yeah, (laughs) it was... Four nil, and looking okay. quickly at the at the scoreline, Chelsea gave up an own goal inside a minute. Uh, they gave up four goals in the first half, so they were sort of blown. Does it mean that Chelsea can lose two Champions League finals in a month? It does. They were. Oh, uh, that's the stat that I want. I think they were the first team to make both Champions League finals, oh, okay. which is again mighty impressive. But yeah, if they were to lose both of them, would not be a. Uh, uh, man, about, I do do very much like Sam Kerr, uh, but I have zero love for Chelsea overall. But I, I get what you mean, man. Also, have zero love for Barcelona. Like, mm, yeah, both of them Super League teams, and you know Barcelona. Hang on, here we go. Here's a good segue. Things that we like. I'm going to piggyback off one of yours that's coming up. I won't steal your thunder, but Barcelona now cannot win. Uh, the league, they've been eliminated. With one game to go, they will not win the Spanish title. So, suck it, Barcelona. Yeah, big old... No, I won't say that. That's quite rude. Yeah, we won't get too rude. just going to swear a lot. just didn't need to swear then. Mate, you've got, you've got another thing that you like, though. Let's get into it. Hey, yeah, cool. So, last night, you spoke of my love of cinema before. Yep. Last night, my mate got us tickets to the what I believe was the Australian premiere down at the Astor Cinema down on Chapel Street, I believe, um, mm-hmm. to go see a film about Greece's Euro 2004 run. And I, abso- I don't love sports movies. I don't really love documentaries or sports documentaries. I think there's just better things to... If you're going to seek out culture, there's better things to watch. But... This was really good. It was just so enjoyable. So it's all about the 2004 Euro run. Uh, For those of you who were here for it, it was just incredible. One thing I didn't know was that prior to this sort of campaign that they had running into 2004, the Greek national team had to ask clubs for access to their grounds to train on. Like, 
Uh-huh. They didn't have their own facilities. They didn't have any infrastructure. No one cared about them. It was not seen as a, a great honour to play for Greece at a national team level. And they bought in Otto Rahagel, Rahagel, Otto Rahagel, who was a big German manager. Fun, interesting fact is that he was the first foreign manager to win silverware for a national team that he wasn't a national of. Oh, really? So he very much paved the way for modern football as we now know it, which is like it's now unbelievable that Australia would ever have like, you know, the Matildas have got, uh, who is a Swedish coach? Uh, yes. Admittedly, we got Graham Arnold, so that kind of puts that point in the bin. But, um, you know, this idea of super coaches going to national teams for countries that they are not a national of. Um, and really just it was a very interesting chat about, that run, they beat some of the best teams, best players in the world. Cristiano, they beat Portugal in the final in Portugal. It was just incredible. And I absolutely loved it because there was a lot of stuff where he was German and he bought a German efficiency, but he had a translator and he would tell the translator to say things to the Greek players in Greek. And he would tell tell them it, but he would tell them it in a way that Greek players would take it well. So he wasn't just translating the language. Right. He was actually translating the culture and being like, you can't say that to a Greek person. They won't follow you. Yeah. <laughs> so he, the translator was actually doing like a cultural translation as well as just a language translation. And it was just really good. Very interesting characters. And apparently he is absolutely loved amongst Greeks. And just seeing Karagounis, uh was amazing in that World Cup and seeing him talk about football just great so i absolutely like that and encourage everyone to see it it's called king otto it's incredible caragunas former uh fulham player as well just uh just gonna say but anyway i know uh something that i like mate was something new to to melbourne something that uh we do sort of seem to miss out in australia overall in terms of kick culture it was a pop-up store that was put on by PFC Vintage and our good friend Alexander Jason, who hosts the Talking Shirt podcast. He's also that football photog on Instagram. You might recognize the the handle more than the name there. But they put up a pop up store at a uh, at a cafe in Glenroy, and it was absolutely fantastic. I was there. You were there, mate. It was great to see. It wasn't just them. It was them and some friends as well. There was. Uh, it was just a great collection of footballing people. There was a ton, an absolute wow, smorgasbord of kits on offer. Uh, European ones, Australian ones, all, all sorts of... Japanese kits were there. It was heaven. Loved all it. International kits, all sorts of uh, leagues were covered. It was great to see. They uh, partnered with some other local uh, footballing people as well. There was, uh, I, I'm going to be honest, my apologies, don't know the names of their businesses, but there was a guy selling really cool looking prints. And another yeah, I like selling... the Mark Viduka one where mm. like Viduka's just holding a, a VB can in a Leeds yeah. kit. You're like, brilliant. Just great and, year of Viduka. And some cool socks as well. But it was just, it was really, really cool to see. We see um, on, on Twitter, at least I do, or anyone else who follows kit people, like they go to uh, pop-up stores or markets or whatever and come away with these great uh, kit finds. It was really, really cool to get to go to one in Melbourne. It was fantastic. Hopefully it's on again soon, mate. I did come away with an absolute ripper. Uh, I'll save that for next week, though. Spoiler, I will not give it away. That'll be my kit bag shirt next week, but I'm very, very happy with that thing. Uh, Mate, you saw something that you liked this morning. What was it? Oh, it's so annoying because it's not semi-professional, which means I can't love it. And a week ago, I was saying I've just 
so disenfranchised with professional football. But uh, Ali Becker scoring a goal from a corner, last kick of the game, charges in. Excellent header, very well executed mm. goal, might I add. And it's just, I don't know, in an age of me kind of hating professional football, it kind of... The only thing I will say is that the I'm never happy kind of part of me was, oh, I wish he'd scored that with a cap on. But, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, come on. Well, look, mate, uh, you know I'm not a big Liverpool fan, but I will recognise, you know, the, the great achievement that was this goal. Do have a couple of stats here for you. So, Becker, he was the sixth goalkeeper to score a goal in Premier League history. Mm-hmm. He was the first to score with a header, however... And also, none of the previous five goals scored by a goalkeeper was a winning goal. So, six goalkeeper overall, first with a header, first to score a winning goal. And Crucial also, goal, yeah, yeah. Uh, no Liverpool keeper had previously scored a competitive goal. So, they are good stats, Brand. I will also say, I'll add to that, probably also the hottest goalkeeper to score a goal in the Premier League. I don't know who the other six mm. are, but Ali Becker, good looking <laughs> chap. In with a shout. Yep, good call there. Um, mate, one thing that I like, I like that I now get to save $15 a month coming up soon <laughs> uh, by cancelling my Optus Sports subscription. Uh, we spoke about it last week, Fulham on the brink of relegation. They had to beat Burnley. They did not. They lost 2-0. I was so happy I woke up at 5am to watch that one. Uh, so they're officially relegated which uh, Optus Sports do not currently show the English Second Division. Um, so I can cancel my subscriptions. Uh, $15 a month, that just goes straight in my pocket. See you later. Straight into your I'm going to buy some kits pocket. Oh, definitely. That's it. That's yeah, it. Just not even, you don't even have to lie to me, Branson. Very quickly, uh, at the pop-up store, there were a couple of Fulham kits there. They were both like extra, extra larges. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, man, like normally I'm a medium or a large. I'm like, oh, you know, you know, you've got a bit of a, a thing going on. We go, well, maybe if I just put on like, you know, a bit of weight, I could justify buying two extra, extra larges. But I did not. Um, mate, you've got something else that you like. What is it? Um, I really liked, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that we have a crew, but when we went to the NPL on Saturday at Avondale, there was just a good group of people there. I just got to sit around and talk to, you know, Lockie and Josh and Chris and it's just fun. Just, I mean, I also got to speak to you, but I get to speak to you more often than I get to speak to them. So I think this league has got a whole lot of good people in and around it. So just bloody get amongst it. Loved it. Great Saturday. Great way to spend a Saturday. Bran, let's go into this part of it because we're kind of all talking about the same thing here. Yes. So uh, one thing that I like, so Ajax, so they won the Dutch League and I saw on Twitter that they are doing something that I think is fantastic. Uh, They've actually, bold move here, they've melted down their championship shield, the shield they got for obviously winning the league. Uh, what they're doing with it now, though, is that they are giving out a 3.5 gram star, which contains 0.06 grams of the actual shield. So giving out stars that contain part of the actual shield, and they are giving that to all their season ticket holders who weren't able to go to the games, obviously, due to the coronavirus lockdown, but, you know, still supported the club. So I thought that was a very unique and interesting and cool thing to do, a, a good initiative, great for a club to recognise its fans. I think, I mean, we always say how fans 
are, you know, the 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 at, at the core of football. So I think that was a, a good initiative by Ajax. I quite like that, mate. Yeah, very good by them. Um, and look, I think that also sets a tone for we've spoken about it a lot in the last month and everything, which is just that professional football after the Super League announcement and everything just feels dirty. So what I absolutely love at the moment, you mentioned it before, Barcelona cannot win La Liga. Um, it looks like Atletico might, uh, which would be very interesting. I think it's the first time in about a decade or something that someone other than Real and mm. Barca have won it. Maybe a little bit less, but there or thereabouts. Um, PSG might not win the proverbial Farmers League. You know, they pertain to be this big club and it looks like they might not win their own league. There's one game to go in that. So I think it's 5.30 on Monday morning. That one kicks off. Um, So, yeah, I'm just really enjoying, you know, obviously Man City have run away with this, the Premier League. But all of these big clubs talking about Super Leagues, Liverpool might not make Europe. And here they are not winning their own leagues. And, you know, Juventus not winning the Scudetto. Like, it's just, it's great. Good riddance. And also uh, Leicester beating Chelsea in the FA Cup as well. You know, like these big teams that wanted to go off and form their own league and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're too good for all this other, you know, domestic league stuff. And now they're just getting rolled. I mean, yeah. And full disclosure, PSG did not sign up to the Super League. However, they've pretty much brought the French title for, you know, the better part of a decade. So Lille are mm. on top. So if Lille win their final game, they will win the French League. So that'll be great. I totally agree, mate. I think that is fantastic to see. But, mate, that's whew, that's everything, pretty much everything. Oh, I've got one other thing, sorry, that I like that I saw today that I didn't put in the run sheet. I just sort of then. The Wellington Phoenix, they have gone back to New Zealand. They are back in New Zealand for the first time in ages, getting ready to play their first home game in Wellington against Western United this weekend. Um, Big shout-out to the Knicks, obviously being based out of Wollongong. Great scenes at the airport of them touching down as well. So I think that's fantastic. That's a great story. and it's They've done a really solid slog there. I think if ever anyone brings into, you know, the fray whether or not Wellington deserve to be in the A-League or a New Zealand Mm. team does or doesn't deserve to be in the A-League, I just think they're demeanor and behavior and the things we've asked of them over the last Mm. year has been ridiculous and I think a lot lesser teams and clubs would have said no and shut the door but they've just been so accommodating a friend lives in Wollongong went to a couple of games as well really enjoyed it so yeah good to see them back very well deserved trip home definitely mate but that does bring us to the end of the What We Like segment, mate. So what we're going to do now, though, is jump into the preview, taking a look at the weekend's games to come. Another big, uh, so I was going to say slog. That's not the right word. Another tasty. Oh, yeah, yeah another, another dreary round of things. <laughs> nah, you know, that was not a good adjective by, uh, uh, yeah. good, nah, not good. Hey, Bran, I'm going to talk through them. Let's blitz through them. I will... Oh, we got a lot on the Friday. Christ. Um, I'm going to say the fixture. Yep. We will say our tip. Yep. We've not discussed these, by the way. This always goes terribly when we don't discuss it beforehand. We'll keep it short. Let's do it. On Friday night, the Knights host Eastern Lions. That's the Knights. Yep. Happy with that, surely. On Friday night as well, Green Gully hosts Dandenong Thunder. 
What are you thinking oh, here? Spicy. Green Gully are not in the best run of form. No, very, very even on the on, on the blah, very evenly poised on the table as well. Gully in ninth, Dandenong Thunder in tenth, separated by one point. I I'm gonna say Green Gully. Oh What did you say? What were you gonna say? I said the Thunder. <laughs> Fuck, go for a draw. Come on. Call it All a draw. Right, it was for the middle. Yep, there we go. Cool. The yep. Uh, Oakley taking on Hume. Oof, another Friday night big one. Who are you taking? No, you pick this one, mate. I think Oakley. I think Oakley are a better team. I think Knowles will score goals. Oh, that's um, nice. He may or may not. I just wanted to say that again. But, uh, no, I think Oakley <laughs> will be too good for Hume. I think they're a better team. I think they'll get the job done. Okay. Uh, this is a big one. Dandy City versus Port Melbourne. Dandy City with their first win this week. Port Melbourne with a win, which means I'll probably get a loss next week. So let's call Dandy City. Let's do it. Let's say two on the trot to Dandy City. Uh, All right. All right. It's been uh, difficult to tip them because, you know, obviously uh, they haven't won a game. But now that they've got one under their belt, you know, it does. They've justified a tip. So, sure. Why not? Stranger things Um, have happened. They are the four games on Friday night. We have two on Saturday evening. Uh, Altona Magic hosts an Auburn Saints. I don't care. St. Albans. Whatever. I don't what? care. <laughs> I'm, oh, I reckon the Magic... Oh, no, we'll go, we'll, go, we'll go the Saints. We'll go the Saints. I don't care. Can we not tip? No, we're going to tip. We're, we're going to tip the Saints. Altona have done nothing to justify a tip yet. So, Saints is out of precedence, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, South Melbourne, Bentley Greens. Oh, honk. This is a Saturday night fixture and a half. Man, this is a big one. I Bentley. I think Bentley. I think Bentley. Yeah. They're the hottest team in the league at the moment. Yeah. South coming off two defeats. I think they're good. I think what they've sort of been exposed in recent weeks is when they score first, they're very hard to beat. But when they've gone behind against two good teams in the Knights and then again against Avondale, they've sort of struggled a bit. And I think they're going to – we just saw – what was it? Uh, Bentley slap the Knights with a high five. Uh, I think Ooh, they're going to be... that this week. You're very giddy about that little pun that you worked into the intro. I thought that wasn't bad. I thought it wasn't bad, but yeah. uh, I'm back in Bentley. Yep, so we're in agreement there. And, oh, Sunday, another big one. Heidelberg United host Avondale. I think Avondale. Avondale were really, really good this week. They were really yeah, good this week. They were involved, they... They were, but they've not really, as you said, they've not really. Heidelberg, been super Heidelberg do Heidelberg do play well against Avondale? We oh, have they just—you know how there's like bogey teams. Mm. Heidelberg—they're just not even Avondale's bogey team. They are like one better. Like, what is better than your bogey? They just—I don't know what it is. They just seem to. Always I'm going to go two-two two draw. Two-two two draw. All right, draw. Great, cool. Okay. Initially, I said uh, Avondale, but, mate, that's going to be... Mate, I'm just looking forward to it. There, there are so many good fixtures in here. I'm God, serious. When am I going to have a social life? When? Well, well, um, well, we just need to make sure... Hang on, sorry. Just quickly on your social life. Just, we just need to make sure all your friends are NPL people. Then your socialising is football, mate. What a what a double whammy. France and all my friends are NPL people and you're my oh, only that's friend. It. That's it. If you're not an NPL person, you're not worth... Being a the salt you're written on. What does that mean? Brands and focus. We're so close to the end. We are. We are. We've, um, uh, we've yeah. also got match day seven of the NPLW. Oh, yes, of course. Three fixtures on the Saturday. 
Fox Hill United host Calder United, you would have to say that's pretty good Calder win there. You would think um, so. Bayside United hosting Emerging FE. You would probably say it's an Emerging FE win there. Again, you would, but Bayside did look quite good against Boleyn, and we saw FE emerging two losses in a row. They have been entertaining the in those defeats. With Bayside. The table does deceive us with Bayside. We have, I, we have I, I agree. I think FE emerging will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a tight one. Um, and a big one here, South Melbourne host Alamein. Uh, on the Sunday, one fixture. Great. means next week we'll have another full round of fixtures to talk about. Bulleen Lions host Heidelberg United on Sunday night. That closes us out for the men's games and the women's games for next week in the NPL Victoria. Branson Ripper episode. I am at Chambershire on Instagram. You are at Branson Gibson on Twitter. We have got Instagram and Twitter at semi-pro-potty. Um, let us know what games you're going to. As always, just go out there and enjoy football. We've got a great state full of great football, so we want to know what games you're going to. We want to know that you're enjoying it. Thank you very much for taking the time to enjoy this week's episode of Semi Pro Body. <laughs> <laughs>